Emerging writers, welcome. We're so glad to have you join us as we delve further into the different genres of writing. My name is Stephanie, and I'm joined by my best friend Kayla and my sister Jordan. Hello. Hi. Surprising no one for this month of love and heartache, we'll be jumping into romance. Jordan, want to tell us a little bit about it? Of course. It is my favorite genre after all. <laughs> <laughs> so in order for something to qualify as a romance, all that really has to happen is you have two characters falling in love. Um, as a general rule, things should also end in a satisfying way, if not a complete happy ending. Because of that simple qualification, romance can branch into any of the other genres pretty seamlessly. Uh, you can literally add anything else you want, whether it's monsters, murder, or some kind of wild setting. If your characters are falling in love, then it is a romance. Oh. <laughs> Uh, the level of romance can also vary from, like, cute and fluffy to fully descriptive erotica. <laughs> Which is not what I read. <laughs> and is what I read. <laughs> I read a bit of both. <laughs> uh, I really think the sky is the limit with romance novels. And I think there's something for just about everybody within the genre. As long as you're not someone who completely hates emotional development yeah. and interactions like that. <laughs> Which is some people. Yeah. I think of my husband, Brandon. Mm -hmm. That's who he I absolutely of. hates it. If there's any sort of emotional thing going on in a story, he's like, well, why did they have to put that? Why'd they put that love stuff in there? <laughs> That's because he's the sort of person who only reads nonfiction. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he wanted me to get him a book about Vikings. And he was I was like, oh, like a story. And he's like, no, like a history I have a couple of those if you'd like to borrow them. I bet he would. <laughs> it was really hard to find just a history. Anyway, the first credited romance novel is called Pamela or Virtue Rewarded. It was by Samuel Richardson and it was published in 1740. It was about a 15-year-old maidservant, Pamela Andrews, and her relationship, and I use that term very loosely, with her master, Ooh. Mr. B. <laughs> Yikes. Oh. Yeah. I read like a little synopsis of this and I was like, oh, okay. And then I read more and I was like, oh, okay. No, thank you. <laughs> so basically it's a really problematic story by today's standards because he's definitely a creep who doesn't take no for an answer. And he like surprises her in hallways and stuff. And, Yikes. and she, yeah, she's 15 and he's an adult man, but you know. I think a lot of romance can dive into murky waters, but that's just right. I was like, oh, this is a mud pit. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the first example of like a rake character. Um, and it was it wasn't the first book about romantic relationships, but it was the first to be written from the perspective of the female character, as well as the first one to have a happy ending. He wrote it as an epistolary novel, which means it's written in the form of multiple letters and that was the first one, like I said, 1740, and it really picked up, the entire genre picked up in the early 1800s with Jane Austen. Would you mind defining rake character for everyone? <laughs> yes. In a historical context, a rake is someone who, a man, who was immoral and a womanizer. Mm. So, mm. you know, basically the initial bad boy kind of jerk type character that's evolved. 
So mm-hmm. super cool. Yeah, a super cool guy. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. The romance genre is really the first woman-centric genre. Um, even now, it's majorly written for women by women, mm-hmm. although it's an expanding market and it's moving to include a lot of different types of relationships rather than just heteronormative ones. And while they cross into all genres, there are still some very specific subgenres that are the most popular in the romance world, like contemporary, where they're in a modern setting, um, historical, where they're generally set before 1950. Uh, paranormal where there's the allure of various creatures and fantasy worlds and suspense which ties in elements of the mystery or thriller genres and there are also ones that heavily rely on spirituality from one culture to another Mm, that's one romances yeah there's a there's a lot more that focus on that than any of the genres we've talked about so far i would say that a lot of times when you start hitting or pairing the the romance genre with others, uh, more often than it being a romance with a subgenre of something else, it's that genre with a sub of romance. Yeah, at I least agree. when you get out of like historical stuff and contemporary. I think it depends a little bit how heavy the romance is centered. Yeah, I think if it's more of the like sexual stories. They tend to focus heavily on the romance, no matter what it's in, and the everything else is kind of a subplot. But mm, that's probably fair. If they're light on the romance or it's just cutesy, they definitely will focus more on other elements. The most typical point of view is either first or third. I've read a lot of romance novels and have probably seen more first persons, but that may be just because of the particular style that I read. Um, I've read quite a few where the point of view occasionally switches to the male perspective for a chapter here and there. Mm. That's Mm. something pretty common. Romance novels typically have a heavy focus on the internal workings of the characters themselves, Mm -hmm. and first person gives you a lot of room to work with this. Yeah, first person gives you the ability to go in depth into like their thinking and personal growth. Yeah. And like reactions to things that you can't get from that third person perspective nearly as much. Yeah. Not without it being kind of like, well, why are you telling me this? You should <laughs> yeah. know this part about this person's thinking if you don't know everyone else's. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoy reading first person because it's so easy to dive into the emotions and thoughts. Yeah. You can definitely pull it off. I mean, if you have a third person limited where the narrator can see uh, more of that specific character or if you do like a uh, thought dialogue sort of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a lot easier and more seamless with first person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely less room for error because you're just writing in the place where it makes sense for you to know all the things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something I think that's uh, lacking is there's not a whole lot as far as LGBTQ storylines mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I do not count the gay best friend trope in that <laughs> well, it's not like a storyline when they add them in they're just a side character that's there for laughs yeah it's like a throwaway. I'm just gonna have this so I can be relevant but it's not an accurate portrayal of anything <laughs> yeah I really enjoy when queer characters get to have romance storylines both as main characters but also as side characters if you're going to have someone in your romance story that's like a best friend or a sister or, or a coworker that's gay or uh, not straight or not cisgendered in some sort of way, and the only defining feature they have is that 
they're not straight and or cisgender and that they're also your best friend or your sister or your like sounding board basically i mean any of your side characters that are pretty integral to your main character should have lives of their own and i mean you don't necessarily have to dive deep into them, but you should at least be uh, showing the reader that that's the case. They should feel like fleshed out characters. And I don't know if this is shocking to people, but that includes people that aren't straight. <laughs> that's yes. not their only characteristic. <laughs> they should feel like real people too, because yeah. they are. <laughs> yeah. Like, just because you're gay doesn't mean the only thing about you is your homosexuality. <laughs> And I see this in a lot of side characters, but especially when there's a gay uh, best friend, is that that side character should care about their own life a little bit more than your main characters. Oh, yeah. They always yeah. seem way too invested in your main character. It's like, okay, that's a played out trope and you need to develop better friendships. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'm sick of seeing it everywhere. Please. <laughs> or the main character gets so wrapped up in the romance that's happening that they just don't have any connection to their friends or family for months. And then the friends are like, oh, well, what's up with your life? I'm not upset at all. Yeah. Yeah. People getting caught so caught up in their romantic lives that they abandon everyone else is definitely a thing that happens in real life. Yeah. It's not like it's unrealistic. But it's really unhealthy, and I really hate when romance stories painted as otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because then, you know, your readers aren't going to think, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, this is what a good, happy relationship is like. We might have some, you know, bumps in the road, but... But it's fine it if we're matter. solely focused on each other and everything we're else meant goes to, to be. the wayside. <laughs> and I feel like, especially with the romance genre, you need to be careful because... Who's reading it? Impressionable young women. Mm -hmm. And when you're giving them those unhealthy relationships, which are something that always happens, I feel like you're setting them up for failure in life because they're going to be looking for the wrong things. Well, I would say there's there's two sections of women who read mm. young, impressionable ones and then middle aged women. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> yeah. But the younger ones, it sets a precedent for them. And a lot of times the romances in romance stories are uh, very passionate, unhealthy, unstable relationships. Yes. And gosh, I can't think of a better way to phrase this, but romances really romanticize <laughs> unhealthy uh, romantic partners. Yeah. And boy, I wish I had some alternate words to use in that sentence <laughs> it's true though but, yeah I think on top of there not being a lot of representation with non-straight relationships and with healthy relationships a lot of romances have pretty uh, outdated character models for the male lead and the female lead mm -hmm. and there's a really dramatic variety of power dynamics and relationship structures within straight couples, very clearly. But a lot of romances really feature this like virginal, naive, damsel in distress woman, or this virgin, naive, but spunky woman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then either an alpha macho guy or an alpha macho bad boy. 
<laughs> oh gosh, yeah. <clears throat> and it's just so common to have these very like weak, submissive women and strong, aggressive, macho men. And I think that's something that it's great when romances can break away from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because those aren't the only attractive type of men. And honestly, in real life, those men are not generally very attractive because they're rude. They're jerks. <laughs> I will say, I don't necessarily know that a lot of romance movies have the macho man as much, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not necessarily an improvement. I feel like they usually have the loser man a lot, especially oh. romantic comedies have a oh. dumb loser that does not deserve the girl, and it's like a male fantasy. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's because a lot of screenwriters are men, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're I've... featuring to a male audience. Mm-hmm. I do feel like, in general, movies get more of a masculine gloss over for what romantic fantasies are. Or, yeah, and that in books, it's a lot more geared towards what a woman's fantasy or supposed fantasy is. High <laughs> testosterone going out and chopping some wood. Beating up all the boys who look at you wrong. <laughs> Getting sweaty with his shirt off. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But that's I mean, on the front cover. Sometimes as yes. a reader, it's nice for the escapism, even if it's not the most healthy relationship. There's something kind of fun about being swept up into it. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a terrible thing, but it's definitely something that happens a little too often. I'd say we can break away and find some new cool dynamics to explore and well you, and, and there's sorry <laughs> well you can have kind of like masculine men that are still emotionally more healthy than the masculine men i often read in romance books yeah and i would say that there is slowly some movement mm-hmm. in the right direction like the fault in our stars by john green doesn't have some overly masculine tough guy right that's true I think YA is a pretty pivotal, young adult, is a pretty uh, pivotal subgenre to move things in a little bit more of a progressive movement. Because I think teens and young adults typically want to read things that their moms didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and so I do think with YA romance, you see more variation to the romantic leads. Yeah, that's definitely a genre that's done a good job about exploring different things. Yeah, and The Fault in Our Stars is an incredible romance in both the book and the movie adaptation. I think it's a book I would absolutely recommend to most people looking for a sad romantic thing. Yeah, be prepared. (laughs) I cried so much. But it was like the best sort of crying book. That's always nice. I really like that romances can delve into some interesting things that happen Mm -hmm. to people and Mm -hmm. can happen in relationships. And you can touch on a lot of different hard situations in life with a romance. Like one that I read just this last week, it's called It Ends With Us and it's by Colleen Hoover. That dealt pretty strongly with domestic abuse situations and the romance in it was well done. And it also was a good take on those situations and a realistic view on how someone would think about them in the main character. I read that book as well, and I thought it was really an incredible kind of like turning romance on its head and presenting this romantic lead that also had a a subplot of what an abuse in a relationship looks like. I also thought the book really handled two romantic leads without it feeling like a love triangle. Yeah, I agree. It definitely didn't feel like a love triangle, and it felt a little more realistic 
of a situation than just, oh, I've got these two men after me at the same time. Like, it wasn't like that. I thought the way the main character handled her growing feelings or her already there feelings felt more true than a lot of romance books I read. Yeah, I agree with that. I also appreciate how uh, dealing with the abuse was handled Yeah, in it and how it wasn't... Um, as you mentioned before, like romanticized. Yeah. She didn't like stick around with it. It was like, oh, well, he's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, abuse and unhealthy relationships and toxic behavior is really complicated and messy because your love doesn't go away for people from people immediately just because they do something. It's a complex thing to kind of delve into. And I th- think this book presented love and emotions and abuse in complex ways that felt really true. Yeah, I agree. Well, as far as romance books to recommend, it's probably, besides like The Notebook, (laughs) one of the most stereotypical things to recommend. (laughs) But I actually really loved Pride and Prejudice. I like historical fiction things. And since it was actually written in that time, it's pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. And you feel like you understand the world really well. And Jane Austen just paints these really fun pictures. Her female leads are always really strong. And especially in this, uh, she's just really spunky and outspoken and flawed. And so is he. But they grow past it. Mm-hmm. And it's not a romance where they meet and there's a spark, like a good chemistry sort of thing. <laughs> so it's... I guess not like a lot of the romances in that way because the characters have to grow to eventually like respect each other. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like it though. It's really good and it's really well written and engaging. I love Pride and Prejudice. I think it's fantastic. And as a romance story, it handles the trope of miscommunication in a really realistic, believable way. Mm -hmm. My favorite Pride and Prejudice adaptation is the YouTube series, The Lizzie Bennet Diaries, which is a modernization of it. And so that's a fun one, too, if you like Pride and Prejudice and want a new version of it. I think you've told me about it a few times, and I just keep forgetting to look it up. Look it up right now. Do it right now. Your laptop's there. New tab. (laughs) Do you guys have a favorite Pride and Prejudice adaptation, or is the book closest to your heart? I think the book is best but I have enjoyed both the uh, older like short tv series version and then the what is it 2008 remake with Keira Knightley Mm. both are pretty good there's some major changes in the Keira Knightley one but that's because it's it has to be condensed into a movie I really makes sense I really like the Keira Knightley movie that is the only version of it I've seen slash read. So. <laughs> well, it's also good. So Yeah, I did I did enjoy it. It was it's a good a movie. Good I'm curious to read the book knowing that it's a bit different. And I'm sure I will soon. Yeah, it does have that uh, like miscommunication. And then also, if anybody really likes that trope now of enemies to friends to lovers, <laughs> like... They don't get along, and then at the end they get married. Spoilers. 
<laughs> I think you're allowed to spoil Pride and Prejudice. It's pretty well known at this point. <laughs> also, it's a romance, so you can only assume that the two main leads will end up together. Hey, in it's romances, supposed to end happily. <laughs> in romances, they end up together or one of them dies. That's yeah. the only two endings for a romance book. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of nice, like, not having to be surprised because I get really upset if I'm reading something and then all of a sudden something awful happens. My problem (laughs) is if you're going over heavily used tropes, love triangles, I always like the one that doesn't get picked. And then I get very mad at the end of it. Right? Because it's always like the bad boy that she ends up with in a love triangle instead of like the decent guy who's been her friend forever or whatever. And you're like, come on. Oh, no. I always like the bad boy. (laughs) And the ones I read, she always ends up with someone who's healthier. (laughs) Oh, well, we've been reading the opposite things that we should be. Trade books. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, I guess not every time. There's been many a books where she ends up with the bad boy who turns out good, and then I'm happy. I feel like it's such a rough trope because, oh, it's annoying to watch, I think. I don't really like love triangles unless they're going to end in polyamory, but that does not usually happen except in fanfic. <laughs> so I, I never get what I want. I do remember reading a book series where it was like three alternating main characters. And so each every three books, one book would be about each of the different women. And one of them was bisexual and also in an open relationship with her girlfriend and I was like oh I get to read both (laughs) I get to read it to where she's with her girlfriend that I love so much and also is dating these terrible men (laughs) oh my gosh that sounds fun I think it I think it was by Yasmin Gilnorn if I'm remembering correctly I read it so long ago I don't know if I can recommend it but I had a good time when I read them (laughs) You know what I super hate as far as uh, like typical things that happen in, in romances and also young adult stories and movies or shows is uh, all other women being evil. Oh, oh, gosh. Yeah. They might have one friend who's nice, but seriously, every other woman interaction is catty and vicious. And you're like, like the mean girls thing and yes. all the women are after your man oh right it's like who's that's probably not... pretty average at yeah. best right yeah it's such a weird like, thing that we've made and played up to be this huge force because honestly how often does that happen not often and it's never well justified yeah. it's always just thrown in there for the sake of drama that yeah. doesn't need to be there. Really weird, annoying drama because she's always like, weirdly overly bully. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like really strange. Way too mean. <laughs> yeah, and it's often paired with this like unhealthy possessiveness from both of the romantic leads. Mm. And it's like, ooh, if you're that jealous and possessive, just don't be together. You, you have some personal insecurities that you need to be working through before you can be in a healthy relationship that's gonna work. Gosh, yeah. yes. Yeah, where's the romance that ends with actually we're terrible people and just need to grow separately? <laughs> but they're soulmates. Oh, gosh. There's another trope. Those faded lovers that have to be together. <laughs> um, My hot take, I actually hate the soulmate thing 
but that's because it feels really lazy to me and like an excuse for people to not work at, at actually building a relationship and putting in the hard work. Yeah. But that's just me. I don't know if I've ever read a kind of soulmate stylized romance where I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Most of the time I'm like, oh, oh, I guess. Or the like uh, reborn oh. soulmate thing. Yes. Those only bother me if one of the romantic leads knows that they've been reincarnated and knows all of their past lives and is like, I have to find you and be with you and manipulate you into loving me again. <laughs> and the other is naive and clueless. And guess which one is always the woman? <laughs> clueless. Yeah. The, maybe I've only just seen the trashy stuff, but it's always like one of them's immortal or something. And the other <laughs> one keeps getting reborn. The woman. Mm-hmm. Of course. The woman and there's keeps getting can, reborn. I can think of more than three series where I've read and that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can picture one right now that I watched. It's called Seven Deadly Sins and it's ridiculous. And that is 100% what happens. <laughs> the girl is so pathetic. Oh, <laughs> terrible. Oh, It's really annoying. <laughs> Mm-hmm. In line with soulmates is love at first sight. Ugh. I hate it. I'm I'm just not a fan of people saying I love you very often anyway because it sends out like the wrong understanding of what love actually is. Because people will be dating for three months or something, but like I'm in love, or they'll have if it's like a show or something, they'll have like. 14 year old kids and be like I love him no <laughs> you don't <laughs> Disney is super bad about this and I hate it so much so I'm just not a fan of love at first sight people just need to come clean and understand it's sexual attraction and that's fine like there's nothing wrong with that you know what being physically attracted to someone is probably what's going to push you to get to know them yeah and that's perfectly fine having a spark the first time you meet is great Go pursue that. But it's not love. It's yeah. not soulmates. <laughs> we need to stop spreading this lie in our romance stories that that's what love is. Because yeah. love is a choice and it's hard work. Yeah. It's like sticking with someone through something difficult mm-hmm. and learning things you hate about them and being okay with it and liking them anyway. <laughs> or, you know. Dealing with it or talking to yeah, them and working through them, it. Communication. Yeah. 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 There's ebbs and flows to how you feel about people because you're a human. Yeah. And it's not going to be this like high intensity. Everything is love and magic all the time. You know what? Sometimes I don't like my fiance, but I still love him. Yep. And it takes a, a while to get to that point. Yep. It takes time to learn to love someone. You can like someone for a while, but love is way different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So love at first sight. Not a fan. Mm-hmm. You know, I have I have some very strong opinions about some of these. Romance <laughs> it makes sense why you don't read a lot of romance then, because those are some very overdone, not well handled things. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you. I usually like like stories where romance is a subplot and it's not the main focus, because mm-hmm. then usually the romance takes longer to develop. Yeah, and it's more natural. That makes sense. Usually, usually. not always. <laughs> Sometimes it's also very poorly done where like characters are going through a thing and then all of a sudden they're making out at the end. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I guess (laughs) if you want to handle your life that way, I guess you could be doing that instead of getting away from the thing that's trying (laughs) to kill you. Whatever. Yeah. Maybe (laughs) sleep together after you save the world. (laughs) Not the night before you need to go kill the big bad. But, you know, that's just my opinion. (laughs) 
Oh, that's great. Well, to aid us in our discussion of romance, since I don't read it very often and also uh, was complaining too much about every other book we read, uh, we decided to instead watch To All the Boys I've Loved Before because I tried to read the book and got really mad at it. So we're watching the Netflix special. At the end of the month, we'll be recording a special episode to dial in some key aspects that stuck out to us about it, and you're welcome to join us in watching it if you'd like. If you have any other great romance suggestions, uh, whether they be books or movies, or you have something that you think I would like, feel free to hit us up on Facebook at Writers Emerging or join us on Tumblr, Instagram, and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you guys next week as we chat about chemistry in romance. <laughs>